Hello everybody, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. In this audio, I'm going to cover 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 24, and finish up chapter 8. In the first 15 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul has encouraged and urged the Corinthians to contribute to his collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem, the, four saw, the so-called Four Provinces Collection. And he's really put the hammer on them pretty good about that money. And then he mentions Titus, that uh, he's going to send Titus to them. Titus, to and give some more background here, Paul is in Macedonia. He's met Titus. Titus has gone to Corinth. He had been to Corinth earlier. He had started raising the money. He didn't finish it, probably because of all the problems mentioned in 1 Corinthians. And then as Paul finally met up with Titus to find out how the Corinthians were doing. He met them somewhere in Macedonia, and Titus was happy as a clam because the Corinthians had repented, and now Paul's happy, and so now he's getting down to business. we got to collect this money. we got to finish up my big collection. It was a huge collection, a large collection, he says, collected from Galatia, Rome, Achaia, Greece, as well as Macedonia. So in this section, Paul is going to commend Titus because he's the one going to be Taking, help, helping the Corinthians take up the money, and he's going to be carrying the money with Paul to Jerusalem. So he's commending Titus. And in the process, he talks about some principles of accountability when it comes to money, which is interesting, interesting to us as, as an application. So we start with 2 Corinthians 8, verse 16. Paul says, Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. Same concern, what concern? Albert Barnes says, the concern, quote, that the Corinthians might complete the collection and finished what they had proposed. The Corinthians said, yeah, we want to give, we want to give, we're eager to give, but they hadn't done it yet. And so, and so Titus wants them to finish because the same concern, that's what Albert Barnes says. I speculate here that the same concern for the Corinthians in the heart of Titus might be the same love and concern for the Corinthians that Paul has expressed over and over again as he expressed his love to the Corinthians in the, in the two letters. But at any rate, Titus loves the Corinthians just like Paul does, and he wants them to collect the money just like Paul does. Paul, Titus had earlier established a relationship of trust and affection with the Corinthians, as the NIV Study Bible points out, and he had organized the collection when it had started the previous year, as the NIV Study Bible points out. We know this by looking at other scriptures, 2 Corinthians 7, 6-7. But God, who comforts the humble, comforted us by the arrival of Titus, this is the arrival of Titus in Macedonia, where he met Paul. And not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me that I rejoiced even more. All right, so that's Titus as he meets Paul, 2 Corinthians 8, 6. So we urge Titus that just as he had begun, had begun that collection, so he should also complete this grace on your part. So Titus is going to finish the collection. 2 Corinthians 8.10, Now I'm giving you an opinion on this because it is profitable for you, who a year ago began not only to do something, but also to desire it. A year ago began to collect the money. 2 Corinthians 9.2, Paul says to the Corinthians, I know your eagerness, and I brag about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Their zeal stirred them up, but they hadn't finished what they said they were going to do, and so... They were, the, uh, the Macedonians were being stirred up by, hmm, shall we say, some cheap talk, by some talk but not actions. Or at least that's the danger, and Paul wants to stop that by actually finishing the collection and collecting the money. We go to verse 17, 2 Corinthians 8. For he, that's Titus, accepted our urging, and being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. Now this is Titus leaving Macedonia where he had met Paul. Paul, you recall, had, had instead of sailing straight to Corinth across the Aegean to 
finish the collection. He was so concerned by the uproar, by the fact that he had had a painful visit and the Corinthians were, were rejecting his ministry, that he instead went north along the coast of Asia Minor, went up to Troas, crossed the Hellespont, went through Thrace, went to Philippi, and got into Macedonia somewhere. Let's just say it's Philippi. We don't know. And there he met Titus coming back from Corinth. And so that's where he is now, somewhere in Philippi with Titus. And he says, Titus, being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. Now we have a problem there. It says went out. It sounds like Titus did that earlier. Well, actually, no, he's going out right now with the Second Corinthian letter and with the intention of raising the money. So how do we explain that tense? Well, some people say that it should be translated, he is going out to you by his own choice right now from Corinth. Here's a quote from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. The Greek says, went forth, and the Holman Christian Study Bible translates it literally, he went out, he went forth. But Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown say, we should say he is going forth. But the ancients put the past tense in letter writing as the things will have been passed by the time that the correspondent receives the letter. So... Looking at it from the point of the Second Corinthians, of the Corinthians who received the letter of Second Corinthians, it, yeah, it was true that Titus went out because here he is with the letter. He went out, so that makes perfectly good sense. He's just changing his point of view. He's he's when he gives the tense here, he's, he's ado- adopting the point of view of the Corinthians who have received the letter already, and of course Titus in the past went out from Macedonia to get to Corinth to deliver the letter. I did find one translation that translated it that way. 2 Corinthians 8.17, this is the Montgomery New Testament. For in he, that's Titus, not only consented to my request, but being thoroughly in earnest, comes to you of his own accord. In other words, he's coming right now carrying the letter. Now notice he went by his own choice. Paul didn't force him to go. Paul did not have command authority over his fellow apostolic team. That's an important thing to notice. So many people are so hierarchical and so authority-minded that he keeps saying that Paul... Remember he said, uh, Paulus, Paulus did not want to come to you right now. Talking, I think it was in 1 Corinthians, he was talking about Paulus, did, Paulus didn't want to come. And now Titus wants to come, but he does it of his own volition, not because Paul ordered him to go. He only urged him to go. Paul only had moral leadership authority in apostolic work teams. They deferred to him, but they could leave any time they wanted to. He didn't have ecclesiastical authorities. We're going to sanction you. We're going to cut your salary. We're going to put an anathema on you. We're going to excommunicate you and all that kind of stuff that church hierarchies like to do. It did not exist in the early church and in the apostolic work teams. Second Corinthians 8, verse 18. We have sent with him the brother who was praised throughout the churches. We have sent with Titus. The brother who is praised throughout the churches for his gospel ministry. I'm going to call this the brother who is praised because nobody knows who he is. He was just somebody that Paul sent along with Titus for accountability. The NIV Study Bible says it's probably Luke. John Gillen Clark mentioned it could be Luke. Why? Because he wrote a gospel and it and it says here he's praised throughout the churches for his gospel ministry. Well, James Foster Brown point out that the written gospel is not referred to here, and I think they're probably right, so I don't think that ties it to Luke. Of course, Luke was a traveling companion with Paul of the missionary journeys. And remember, Paul's in the midst of his third missionary journey, and Luke is going to accompany him back to Jerusalem, so it could very well be Luke. But who knows? Other people suggest Barnabas, Apollos, Silas, John Mark, which just shows that nobody knows. The NIV Study Bible and Albert Barnes says, say that whoever it was, he was widely known for faithfulness in ministry. And that's the key point. Paul is, carrying, is, taking, is sending somebody with Titus, so that Titus would be accountable when he collects that money. This brother is praised throughout the churches, so the churches can be sure that 
Titus is not going to defalcate with the collection. He's not going to steal the money. So Paul's looking for accountability here. Albert Barnes says that this brother who was praised, his identity is not noble, nor is it material, and that's absolutely true. He is mentioned again later on in 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, verse 18. I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. That's the brother who was praised in all the churches. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did, he, did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same spirit? And what Paul is saying is, hey, I sent somebody with him for accountability, and Titus didn't do anything, and he, there's a witness, the, the brother who was praised throughout the churches. Paul is a smart cookie. He's got to deal with human nature, human nature which is suspicious. He, he has to have accountability, openness, transparency, and all that kind of good stuff. Now here is a question of logistics. It's a minor point, but perhaps the Titus and the pr brother who was praised, did they take to Corinth the money Paul had already collected and said, here, take the money to Corinth and just add to it? And then Paul would meet them later in Corinth and take the bigger collection all the way to Jerusalem? Well, if Paul sent them on ahead without the money, then he would have an accountability problem going from Macedonia to Corinth. Excuse me, if he sent them on ahead without the money. In other words, if he, Paul, carried the money down to Corinth, then he would have to have another brother to travel with him for accountability, or maybe another two brothers. We see later on that there's another brother that goes with the praised brother. It's the testing brother, tested brother, as Paul mentions in another verse. We'll get to that in a minute. Paul's, all right, so Paul sent Titus to Corinth with the brother who was praised and the tested brother. If, he was, if they were carrying the already collected money from Macedonia, there's plenty of accountability. If they weren't, and Paul carried the money on down, I'm sure he got two other brothers to go with him down there to give him accountability. It doesn't say that, but we can speculate that. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 19, And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches, that's Titus, was appointed by the churches to accompany us with this gift that is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help, show Paul's eagerness to help the Corinthian, the, the Jerusalem saints who were poor. Titus was appointed by the churches, so it's not just because Paul liked Titus and trusted Titus. All the other churches trusted Titus too, and in fact they appointed, i.e., Adam Clark says, by a show of hands. Jameson Fawcett Brown says, the Greek says, by vote. In other words, the other churches said, yes, Send, we'll send Titus because he is trustworthy. We'll know that there's perfect accountability. Nobody can accuse anybody of stealing the money. Remember, this is a big gift. And it's being carried by hand, no banks, no letters of credit, no electronic transfer of funds. And they got to carry it through robber-infested roads in the transportation system back then. I mean, right now, I'm, we're going through the coronavirus lockdown. And I think, oh, how inconvenient things are. Man, think of how bad it was back there for Paul and his fellow apostles. But at any rate, if Titus was trustworthy to account to accompany Paul with that money all the way to Jerusalem, then by golly, he was trustworthy to collect the Corinthian money. So Corinthians, you don't have anything to worry about. Now, notice Paul mentions he wants to show his eagerness to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. There was a reason that most Every, all the scholars speculate reasonably that Paul is politically concerned that he that he be on good terms with the Church of Jerusalem because remember remember the Church of Jerusalem had a lot of people who didn't like the idea of the gospel going out to the Gentiles and Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles and we know that there was a huge split in the church between the Jerusalem saints and the Gentile saints the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 was all about that Paul's constantly worried about this problem between Jew and Gentile. And so this is one thing to help tear down that wall of partition between the Jewish and Gentile believers. Now Paul says that 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 poor offering was being administered 
by Paul and his fellow apostles for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. It's being administered by the glory of God and to show our eagerness to help. Some manuscripts to say and to show your eagerness to help, the Corinthians. So Paul's saying the purpose of this gift is to show your Corinthians to help. I don't believe that's true. It doesn't make as much sense logically, although it does make some sense. Most of the translations have our to show our willingness to help. As, uh, in fact, all every translation I looked at, except for one, except for, excuse me, three, said our willingness to help. There were three translations. The Mace New Testament, the Montgomery translation, and the Young's Literal translation said your willingness to help. That's a manuscript problem of quite little concern. We now go to chapter 8, verse 20 of 2 Corinthians. We are taking this precaution so no one can criticize us about this large sum administered by us. Now there Paul explicitly says the reason he sent in Titus is for accountability purposes. He doesn't want anybody to criticize him. In other words, to, to accuse him of stealing the money. Now, notice it's a large sum. The, large, the bigger the amount, the more accountability is needed. The NIV Study Bible comments this. It is not only important that God sees, but also that people see ethics and honesty. I remember as an acquaintance I had that had raising money for the underground church in China whenever he would go. And I was, I was on one of these trips one time. He and the Chinese leaders would go to a motel room, and they would get around the bed, and then the American would put the... He'd already cashed his dollars into R&B. He'd put the R&B laid out on the table, and somebody would write down how much is there. And then the the Chinese church leader would then take the money, and everybody would sit around and watch. Why? Why is everybody sitting around and watching? For accountability's purpose. We saw the money. Pass hands. That's why most churches have two people to handle the books, two people to count the money. 2 Corinthians 8.21, For we are making provision for what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before men. And IV says we're taking pains for what is right. In other words, we're doing what we need to do. But even so, even though he had done, taken all the provisions to make things accountable and rosy, the NIV study Bible points out that even Paul was the victim of disgraceful slander, even after all the efforts that he had taken. This is implied by 2 Corinthians 12, verses 17 through 18. Did I take advantage of you by anyone I sent you? In other words, somebody's accusing him probably of taking advantage of the Corinthians, maybe by taking some of their money. In other words, maybe when Titus was on that, when he had started the collection, and, and people are saying, well, you know, Titus started taking up this poor offering with the Corinthians. It wasn't finished, but he started it. He took some of the money, and Paul's taking advantage, is using that money. That's probably what happened. Paul says, I urged Titus to come, and I sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Didn't we walk in the same spirit in the same footsteps? So you see, Paul is having to defend himself again. Integrity isn't going to stop slander. People, people would slander Mother Teresa, the Apostle Paul. They slandered Jesus himself. They slandered God. However, even though integrity isn't going to stop slander, integrity is certainly useful in fighting back against the slander. Notice that Paul says, he wants to do what is right not only before the Lord, but also before men. In verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 8, not only before the Lord, but also before men. This is to avoid even the appearance of evil as much as possible. Again, it's not you can't avoid the appearance of evil completely, no matter how honest you act, because there's always people out there that are going to slander you. And 
I would say that you need to avoid the appearance of evil as much as possible. Sometimes in situations where you know you can't avoid it, I mean, Jesus gave an appearance of evil once when he was alone with a dissolute Samaritan woman who had had four or five husbands. I forgot how many husbands she had, but she did not have a good reputation. And there, Jesus was there with her alone, which was not done in that ancient society. But he was there because he was on his trip to Jerusalem. He had to have water and the disciples had to go to buy food i mean it was not like he you know went looking for trouble but he was there and so he didn't worry about the appearance of evil but at any rate i I remember one time i was in a very very small church and they had nobody to help count the money but me and i didn't like doing it by myself and i said boy i kept good paper trail though i said somebody comes in here accuses me of stealing money i can show them where every farthing where every (laughs) every cent went second corinthians 8 22 Paul continues, we have also sent with them. Now, who's the them? That's Titus and the brother who is praised. And he says, we have also sent with them our brother. We have often tested him. So what are we going to call this third third courier or third messenger? The brother who was tested, the tested brother. So we got Titus, the praised brother, and the tested brother. They're all going down to Corinth to help collect this money. We have also sent with them, Paul and the praised brother, our brother, the tested brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent. Notice that Paul doesn't mind testing his workers. Some of his workers were scumbugs like Demas who deserted him. But Paul put the man in positions of responsibility and he passed with flying colors apparently because Paul found him to be diligent and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. But there's nothing like diligence, taking care of business, what I would call basic managerial sense or basic vocational sense. That's just like any boss or like a worker to take care of details and to be honest. Oh, they're worth a fortune. And so this brother was tested and was sent down with Titus and the praised brother. And of course, this brother who was tested is just as unknown as the praised brother. The tested brother is unknown. The praised brother is unknown. Some people speculate Apollos, some Trophimus. Apollos, according to Adam Clark. Trophimus, according to Jameson Fawcett Brown. Who knows? Who cares? Now, John Gill says that Paul, perhaps unintentionally, conformed to the Jewish law because the Jews in their rabbinic law required three people for the distribution of alms. Again, for the purpose of accountability. Makes a lot of sense. So this tested brother points out something that I think we should emphasize, that there is no substitute for experience when judging the character of a Christian worker. Remember when Paul told Timothy, lay suddenly, do not lay suddenly hands on an elder. In other words, don't just appoint him as an elder before he's ready. I know a story is in, in, in a foreign country. I won't mention where, but we went to my fr- a friend of mine and I went to do a weekend seminar there, and there was and the church was in confusion and an uproar because one of the elders there was a young guy, and the power had gone to his head, and he started slandering the guy who had invited us for the the seminar. And I listened and I said, this guy, this young elder is crazy. Well, he was finally booted. I mean, they finally got rid of him or, or maybe he repented. I don't remember, but I think they got rid of him. But the but the, the the brother, the missionary who had asked us to speak, he said he made a mistake because he trusted the guy and it, and he gave him authority too soon. Two things there. One is elders do not have authority over the church. They have moral authority. They do not have command authority, and the authority is in the whole church. And, in fact, I think that's how they finally got rid of them. The the whole church says, "Uh uh-uh, this is not going to fly. You're slandering our other elder. That's the first thing. The second thing 
we need to remember is you don't lay hands suddenly on somebody. you got to really test them with their experience, what they have done. You've seen them under stress. Same thing when if, uh, if your daughter's looking to marry somebody, how about see if the guy handles the stress well when the car breaks down, when there's no money, that kind of thing. Now, Paul says that this tested brother has been found to be diligent and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. So, Paul is saying this unknown tested brother is confident in the Corinthians, these same Corinthians who have screwed just about everything else up and have, who have quit raising money. But Paul, again, is encouraging them. He's appealing to their, their, better, their better nature, if you will. He's appealing to them as saints. Now, of course, he's doing that because he knows they've repented. Titus has given him the good news that the Corinthians have repented from all the mess that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8.23, Paul continues, As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker, serving you. So again, now Paul's trying to give, he's already mentioned that Titus was approved by all the churches, and also now he's given his own stamp, his personal stamp of approval, in addition to the church's stamp of approval on Titus. Titus is Paul's partner and co-worker. You trust me, Paul, and I know you do now. Well, then you can trust Titus. As for our brothers, that's the praised brother and the tested brother, they are the messengers of the churches. In other words, it's not just me. All the other churches, like these brothers, they have complete, a good reputation. They are accountable to all the churches. You don't have anything to worry about. Put the money in. He says, they are the messengers of the churches, these three brothers, the glory of Christ. What's the glory of Christ? The churches? Are they the glory of Christ? Or the messengers, the glory of Christ? The NIV Study Bible says it's the messengers who are the glory of Christ. The NIV translation, the loose translation the NIV has, agrees with that. The way they translate this, it says they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. The three brothers, Titus, praised brother, tested brother, are an honor to Christ. The Home of Christian Study Bible's more literal translations, and it's not clear whether it's the churches of the glory of Christ or the messengers, but I think it's the messengers. That's pretty nice. That's pretty good commendation, pretty good letter of recommendation, if you will. They reflect Christ. They, these three guys reflect Christ's glory. And you're worried about them stealing money from you? Nah, you don't need to worry about that. It's interesting here, these three brothers, Titus, praised brother, tested brother, are called the messengers of the churches. The Greek is the apostles of the church, of the churches, as Jameson Foster and Brown points out. But I think messengers is a better translation here because they're not really serving as apostles. They're, they're running messages from one church to another. That's not quite the same as apostolic work, which is starting churches and edifying churches and, and, and building churches up. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 24, Therefore, Paul continues, show them proof before the churches of your love and of your boasting about you. Show them proof how that you love. Show them, show before all the other churches who are watching you, Corinthians, show what? Show them proof, proof of your love. Love for whom? For the, Corinthians, for the Jerusalem poor saints. How do you show their love? Do something. Not just feel it, not just want to do it, but show them by giving money. And remember, and Paul says, show them proof about your love for the saints. Uh, I, well, it says of your love, I'm assuming it's love for the saints in Jerusalem. And show them proof of our boasting about you. What boasting had Paul done? He had boasted to all the church of Macedonia that the churches in Achaia, i.e. Corinth, had begun a great work of poor relief. I boasted about you. Now, how about don't make my boast empty? Show them. They haven't seen it yet. Now, notice that Paul has just made a bodacious fundraising appeal. However, we need to remember it was for other people, not for himself. It was for the poor 
Jerusalem saints, not for himself. Let me finish up this audio by quoting from a letter that I just, an email I just sent to a friend of mine who is raising money for a well-known old established evangelical organization. And he is constantly torn between, am I using manipulative sales techniques, appealing to their guilt? I want to appeal to their love for the gospel and love for the people that we're ministering to. And he's always having to walk that fine line. He's very sensitive to it. He's a, he, In his secular job, he was a salesman. And, of course, marketing people and salesmen use manipulative psychological techniques all the time. So let me let me read what I wrote to him. I said, my gosh, Paul put the hammer on the Corinthians. He pointed out that other churches, the Macedonian churches, might be raising more than the Corinthians, thus appealing to their pride, maybe their guilt. He also, in another place, did the reverse. He used the Corinthians giving to the Corinthian giving to spur on the Macedonians giving. He told them to prove their love by giving. In verse 24 of Second Corinthians 8, he told them to finish the job. In verse 11, he quote unquote tested the genuineness of their love. In verse 8, and he told them to excel in giving. All in all, a pretty heavy-handed approach, I would say. Well. I think that the fact that Paul knew the Corinthians so well is how he got away with that. He could make those heavy-handed appeals because he knew them so well. He knew they would trust him and his motives, and so he could do it. I don't think you could just go out to somebody you don't know and and do that and quite as strong as Paul did. If you don't know people that well, you need to get them to trust you before you try to get them to raise money so that they will know you're raising money with pure motives for the gospel. Not for yourself or for your glory or for your ecclesiastical institution or whatever it is you're raising money for. With those words, I will close Second Corinthians chapter 8 down here. And our next audio will start with chapter 9. Chapter 9 is concerned with the cheerful giver. Paul's going to continue his discussion of the collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And in the middle of it, he's going to give that famous statement about God loves a cheerful giver. We'll take that up verses 1 through 15 in chapter 9 on our next audio, the whole chapter, and I hope you stay tuned for that one, and I hope you enjoyed this one.